You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And we get right into it with one of our favorites, ESPN senior writer Ryan McGee, joining us out of the AIDS. Ryan, let's start with the most important thing you've ever been asked. Uh, I discovered over the course of the weekend, because I follow Sarah Spain on Twitter, it's really the only reason I saw it, uh, the phenomenon known as the puke bowl. Now, this is a bowl that apparently uh, some people will run and get for their children when they're, you know, or, or their friends, when somebody needs to vomit, and they will use that bowl. But then they clean the bowl in a dishwasher, put it back in the cupboard, and it gets used to make the cake. Have you ever had a puke bowl? Like, you are a good old Southern boy. Any puke bowls in the McGee household? No, and my daughter, who literally just turned 18 and would be incredibly mortified but never watches or listens to anything I do, so okay. I know she's not going to hear any Solid. of this. Um, she, uh, no, I mean, she is a projectile vomiter and has been that. <laughs> one of the biggest reasons we only have one kid. Was because I'm like I can't take it with this, and so it's like, it's like watching you know when you go to the airport, and they they a plane's on fire and they hose it down with that foam. That's what it was like every time she got sick, and so Oof. so we did not have a puke bowl. We had no, we did have a garbage can. We had yeah. a very uh, a, it was in yeah. the garage. We went and got it, set it next to the thing. But I would yeah. never, I'd never in a million years like. Well, this is the thing. This woman, Sarah Turner at the Unmumsy Mom, tweeted: yeah. My kids have just discovered that the family sick bowl. Right. And the cake mix bowl are one and the same. In my defense, this was also the case when I was growing up, but now I've said it out loud. I realize I need to break the cycle. I won't be taking any further questions. Yeah. She might not have taken further questions, but after 144,000 likes right. and 14,000 quote tweets, uh, plenty of other people are asking questions, including me. And the defenses that these people have for why, oh, you must not have kids. And I'm like, oh, I understand you don't always know when it's coming, but a garbage can is the same as a bowl. It isn't any faster to grab the bowl. You could put a plastic bag in and throw it out. Why would you want to clean out a bunch of puke and then yeah. go reuse the bowl for cake? I don't care if there's soap and it got clean. I just don't even want the optics of it. I just want to throw the puke out. I don't want to clean it. We're not, and we're not talking about a damn BMW. It's like you can go right. get a, a big stack of bowls down at yeah. the Walmart right now, and yeah, you, can, you, you can designate it? it for all you want. This, yeah, it's, and also uh, the it, it it just the splash factor of a bowl seems unwise regardless. No, no, of that, whether that, it's projectile well, right, or not. So that's where I was going to go. Is right. all I can think was when I pour, I'm a cereal addict, and when I pour milk in the cereal after however many years I've been doing it, I mean decades, I still it it goes over the lip. So yeah, yeah. I just this this makes no sense. You need depth. Yes. You need convenience. You, there's, uh, by the way, parents, there should already be a garbage can in your kid's bedroom. Exactly. I mean, I mean this is not all a, of these things. I, yeah. I, well, and and let me just be clear here. Like, as somebody yeah. that that has the bladder of a child, and I tinkle a lot, we all know that, sure. right? I am one to take a cup with me on the road, and if I'm making a long drive, I'll just tinkle in the in the cup. Right. Like, the minute I do that, I've decided that that's never going to be used again. Even though there's a dishwasher, I could certainly tinkle in like a huge thermos if I wanted to, take it then to the dishwasher, dishwash it out, and then offer it to people if they need coffee. I'm not going to do that. So, like, for anybody that says, well, you're washing it out, would you drink out of my pee cup? Like, I just think once yeah. – it doesn't yeah. matter. You. Like, the, the soap doesn't help the optics of I don't care how much how much cold – how much whatever you use, uh, Cascade, whatever. In the, but, but so, uh, all right, so I know there are people who actually accuse Marty Smith and myself of having fake Southern accents. Mm-hmm. And um, and here's, here's further proof that um, I'm for real. The, I was born uh, in Rockingham, North Carolina. 
uh, in eastern North Carolina, and I still, my, my grandmother passed away several years ago, but the house that she was born in that was built in 1866, that's where I'll be on Christmas Day. I've been there wow. my whole life. So I, I own part of this house. There is still upstairs in the guest bedroom, one of the bedrooms, well, actually the bedroom where my mother slept as a child, there's a big giant, I, I can't remember what grandma called it now, but there's a big giant peapot. Mm. Because oh back in the day, I mean, when they built a house in 1866, Kel Surprise, there was no indoor plumbing anywhere, but there certainly wasn't any in Richmond County, North Carolina. And so if Is you want to go to the bathroom. Is it built into the room? Like a you, urinal almost? No, no. It's, under the, it's just a bowl under the bed. And so and if, you've if, left it there all this time. Yeah, well, it's just now it's like an antique, right? <laughs> it's like the line from Indiana Jones. You take a useless watch and bury it in the sand, it becomes priceless. Well, now, you know, anything that's in Grandma's house, you know. Is a, is a, no, no, to my knowledge, no one has used it. When I was a kid, I certainly didn't use it because, thankfully, by the time I came along, there was something you could flush. But it's, I, I it's feel like there. the next time I'm on, a long, like I'm on a long road trip, I'm going to get one of these. And I'm going to be like Cousin Eddie standing out. Instead of Merry Christmas, yeah. you know what's yeah. full. I'm yeah. going to be like, Merry Christmas, Peapot's full. And just yeah. dumping Peapot's that thing full. out. At the, the, yeah, there we go. Puple's full. Uh, uh, we're talking to Ryan McGee, ESPN <laughs> yeah. senior writer here on, right. uh, on Spain and Fitz. We were going to talk about college football. We have a little bit of time left post puke bowl. I'm glad you're on the same side as us. Yeah. Peapot. And college football, there are a lot of uh, – I'm, I'm a bowl game junkie. But I, I would, I would be willing to admit there. there. I, as as pupils. the author of the bottom ten, <laughs> yeah. I, I would I actually. I think I might write my whole lead about the people. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's talk about a, a team that was probably puking after their game this weekend, and that's Ohio State. How big of a deal was the not just the loss, but the manner in which Michigan beat them? Well, that's just it. Is I mean, in the first half, you felt like, all right, however this is going to go down, it's going to be close. Yep. And then it just wasn't close. I mean, it, they did the opposite. It was, it was the opposite result that I think most people expected. And so it just it was crazy. And so now, so on Twitter, you guys talking about social media, but Twitter still works as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it still hasn't happened yet. But, but there's this message, college football message boards guy that just posts screen grabs of message boards. And the Ryan Day stuff right now is crazy mm-hmm. after two losses. And it reminds me of – you know, all the stuff that they were yelling about Harbaugh just two years ago, including me, reminding everyone he'd never beat Michigan State, never beat Ohio State, you know, never been to Indianapolis to the Big Ten Championship game. Now all that flips. So, yeah, that team was so good and so talented and, and could still potentially make the playoff. But you only got to win one game. You really only have to win one game. And uh, John Cooper won every game except that game, and it cost him his job when he was at Ohio State. So, um I'm not ready to call Ryan Day Cooper yet because I love Ryan Day, but we'll see because it is a little tense in Columbus. All right, let me get your thoughts on one other big story. We mentioned it earlier. Hugh Freeze goes to Auburn. McGee, like, where? How do we handle this? How, how do we? How do we sort of handle the football side of him versus the personal side that we all know about? And where? Where should the lie and outrage be? I went back us? and read a story I wrote. I went up there in August of 2019, right before the season started. It actually was the week before he, he came up with this ailment. Of course, the famous shot of him laying in the hospital bed in the press mm-hmm. box and all that stuff. But I went up there. And, you know, Lynchburg, Liberty was the perfect place for him to go and and win games and have a blank check and go hide. There's no real – you know, I've got friends up there. There's one newspaper. There's one TV station. And it yeah, was and if a great place. Help you hide a bunch of people that, at Liberty have plenty to hide as well. Yeah, and uh, and the former boss there, who is no longer mm-hmm. the boss, Jerry Falwell Jr., is really good at that. And so, here's what's going to happen. 
Hugh Freeze is going to win a lot of football games at Auburn. There is no question about it. He's going to be to Alabama at some point. He's going to he's going to, he's going to win games. Look at his track record. He he's won everywhere he's been, and he's won as soon as he's got there. Like it has not taken any time at all. He has taken liberty. It's going to be four straight ball games. Won all three of them. It's for a kid who grew up in the Carolinas. My dad worked at a lot of universities that were, had Christian foundations, and uh, and so I, I know way too much about Liberty. Um, but what he's done there is remarkable football-wise, and what he'll do at Auburn will be remarkable football-wise. But the question's always going to be is, how is it going to end? And and that's that's just gonna that's gonna settle over. And top what's of gonna happen while he's there? Right, and and he's because plenty what, of what he's done has been problematic during his tenure, and not just you know whether it's the escorts, whether it's the woman who says she was in eighth grade and he made her change shirts in front of him, whether it's badgering women who allege that they're sexual assault victims. Like this often doesn't come out until he's forced out, but it means that during his tenure somewhere, he's a danger to people. What he he cannot do his phone thing and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about call girls i'm talking about the phone thing where you all talk to any college football writer um any college football journalist and we've all received the midnight dm from you um and it's always god bless but it's him disagreeing with something that you said or you wrote and i always tell the story about all those years i used to fill in for paul Feinbaum a lot you know five or six years ago and uh, all those – I probably filled them, filled them for Paul a hundred times. And on the drive home, I only received six phone calls from SEC head football coaches to talk to me about what I had just said on the show. One was Butch Jones because I was a Tennessee alum and he had some questions about why I was calling out Tennessee. The other five are Hugh Freeze. And so it's just – it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, he's going to win games. There's, I just don't see how it ends well. Um, and, you know, what, what could possibly go wrong, right? You, you got him, and then you've got Auburn, which has always specialized in drama without a whole lot of help. Mm-hmm. And now um, now drama's coming in the door. Well, one thing I know is that this show will end well because we are only a few days away from the end of Spain and Fitz, but we knew we had to have one of our favorites, Ryan McGee, on. McGee, always appreciate your time, have always appreciated your friendship. Thanks for hanging out with us on this wonderful yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, closing chapter. Y'all are the perfect example. Talk about Twitter. There's things I hate about it, but y'all are the perfect example of my digital friends. Like I, I'm, I consider y'all friends. And yeah. Spain, you and I've been in the same room at the same time, maybe twice ever. And so yeah, I ever. just, That's so it. I just, but I, I consider y'all friends. And it's a sad day, but I'm excited about what's next. And uh, but whenever the when the last show ends, I'm just gonna just hurl into that puke bowl for a solid hour. <laughs> Use the pea pot. And then go to the next room and make a cake <laughs> with whatever you want. All right, McGee, follow him on Twitter at ESPN McGee. Obviously, listen to Marty and McGee and check out all of his work on ESPN.com, ESPN Senior Writer. We appreciate you, my friend. Have a great night. Love you, mean it. Y'all the best. All right, oh, thanks, great Ryan. stuff from him. Uh, the Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. It's going to be the game of the lifetime. It's going to be the best Monday Night Football game you've ever seen. It's going to be the wildest, most insane, crazy <laughs> action you have ever consumed in Monday Night Football history. Progressive Insurance gives you prediction, uh, protection on the phone, online, or on the app 24-7 because things happen 24-7. Quote at Progressive.com. Speaking of hot takes, it's time for Good Take Hot Take. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, good control, too. Yeah. That's a little uh, Eagles action, if by the you, way. If you keep listening, Mylotta has a lot of those runs where he's hitting their note right smack in the middle. 
and I, I don't mean the Eagles as in the band. I mean as in the football team, putting out a little <laughs> Christmas uh, action there. And it is delightful. Go check it out wherever you stream your music. Uh, really good, uh, really good work by them. And he I was love on the Masked Singer. I was unaware that Jordan Mailata was on the Masked Singer. I also was unaware because I watched like the first year of that, and then I was out. I, like I've never, yeah, watched I never Masked. watched it. But yeah. uh, I, I, I was surprised when he opened his mouth, and I thought it might be a joke, like they had dubbed over and made it seem like they were really singing. And then I realized it was real. Jason Kelsey was the first voice you heard there, which was decent. Uh, the low voice there, but uh, Jordan Mailata comes in, and you're like, oh, damn, this is a real song. You know, even Kelsey was, like, behind the mic, and then he heard that, and he's like, yep, I'll just be out there for the rest of the day. Yeah, like, that's a, yeah. I'm going to let you happens. take this. Uh, that is a good take on a hot take version of that song, which brings us to good take, hot take on Spain Nailed and Fitz. It. Boom, hot take, hot take. It's time to rate the takes of the day. Are they good takes? The season is over. <laughs> I mean, one game in. For hot takes. This is why I called out and said Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP. It's Good Take, Hot Take on Spain and Fitz. All right, so you know what we're going to do. We're going to play some of our peers' takes from the day and figure out if they were good or hot. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, first up, Keyshawn from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max said this about Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's in over his head coaching the National Football League. I know he went to the playoffs, and I know you can say injuries or whatever you want to call it to cover it up and mask it. He is in over his head in Arizona, and I don't know if it's the stress of hearing the noise coming down the stretch. Is Sean Payton going golfing in Arizona? Is there a sighting in Sean Payton? All of those sort of things, because certainly they could have won that football game going away. They wind up surrendering and allowing the Chargers to get back in it and losing on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Mm. What do you think, Sarah? That is a good take. Uh, there was a pretty notable, by the way, there's supposed to be a sounder there. He good. There we go. Thank you. There's a notable piece of sound from Kyler Murray. Uh, I believe he's speaking about a specific play, but it could have really uh, been borne out to the entire game slash season slash tenure there. Schematically, we were kind of effed, is what he said after the game. Uh, and I think you are also effed. If you have to have headlines that say Cliff Kingsbury says he's not worried about job security. Right. Uh, this is sort of like when owners of teams or GMs say, uh, you know, we're going to put a vote of confidence in someone. That's usually just before they let them go. I think there was a lot of bad decision making around this Cardinals team in the offseason, including massive extensions for people who hadn't yet earned them. And, you know, between Kime and Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, they've now got themselves a whole bunch of dudes that it doesn't seem like it works with. Yeah, that, I agree with all of that. And I agree that it was a good take. Cliff Kingsbury is in <laughs> over his head. And I would be shocked if he's back as a Cardinals coach next year. Let's go now to Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst on Get Up Today, talking about the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. He's the guy I trust the most in the entire NFC playoff picture to lead their team to a Super Bowl. You're asking me, give me one quarterback yeah. on one of the good teams, and Jalen Hurts is the guy I take. Jalen Hurts has not played a bad game this season. There's never been a point in this season you say, you know what? The Eagles are struggling because Jalen Hurts is playing bad. That has not been it. They are winning football games because of their quarterback. Defense not playing great, just give it to Jalen. Offensive skill players ain't doing enough, just give it to Jalen. He has really turned tragedy into triumph. Mm. 
That's a good take. He good. Listen, I mean, I think there's an argument, obviously, that Patrick Mahomes is in a tier on his own above and beyond everybody else. But Jalen Hurts has been fantastic. And this has been a prove-it year for him with an incredible roster around him. He was the question mark. No questions anymore. I had a buddy ask me yesterday, is Jalen Hurts for real? And I said, I, I don't know if we're going to know the answer to that simply because, you know, he has so much around him. I don't know that he's out there willing teams to win by himself. But he's doing everything the right way, and I think it's a good take because I, I too, trust Jalen Hurts to do the right thing with the weapons around him, and that in and of itself is a sign of being very, very good at what you do. Let's get a college football one in here. Doug Gazarian, ESPN betting insider on best week ever, gave us who he thinks the Heisman frontrunner is. It's a wrap. It's all Caleb Williams right now. He is a monster favorite. He's minus 3,000 to win it right now following Stroud. So it was basically a two-horse race going into the final weekend. And C.J. Stroud of Ohio State was the favorite basically the entire season. After Ohio State loses outright and Stroud didn't look that great, and then Caleb Williams had about five Heisman moments, mm. they've already started engraving his name on the trophy. Sarah, I think that's a great take. And frankly, I watched that game. This is the fourth straight week I've watched every snap of a Caleb Williams game just sitting there. Uh, if we had street uh, street teams still, I'd be the president of the Caleb Williams street team. <laughs> like, I have such a man crush on the way he plays quarterback. Uh, if the draft were today, I think he'd be the first pick in the draft. If he were eligible, he would be the first pick over Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I think he certainly wins mm. the Heisman. I think it's a good take. He good. Normally, I would say plenty of things can happen, but his odds went way up. And I think you're right. I think at this point, it'd be real tough to see him lose it. It's all about the Heisman moment. Nobody's had it. I think the closest we got to, I thought it could have been Blake Corum. He was hurt. So I think that Blake, uh, that goes to Caleb Williams now. That's a little good take, hot take. In the meantime, it's not a hot take to say that Russell Wilson is a major part of why the Broncos are losing football games. The question becomes... Do the Broncos have a Russell Wilson problem that can't be solved? We'll ask Mina Kimes when she joins us next at Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We'll keep you updated on Monday night football when it gets underway. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Bundle today at Progressive.com. All right, let's bring in friend of the show. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. Hi, friends. Say hello to my little friend. He's my friend because we both know what it's like to have people be jealous of us. Alone. Bad. Friend. Good. And we're the best friends that anyone could have. We're the best friends that anyone could have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. You got this. It's Mina Kimes. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. Close enough. We'll give it to you. It's been a while. <laughs> we haven't done a half friend in quite some time. Uh, Mina, I want to talk to you about what ended up being a really good weekend of football. We kind of expected not a lot after a lot of games on Thanksgiving Thursday, but we got lots of OTs and some pretty decisive events, and that included Aaron Rodgers going out with injury and us finally getting a look at Jordan Love and now a whole lot of people looking even more closely at Rodgers' contract. 
what do you think this means for the Packers? And is it just a matter of more time with receivers, getting healthy, he rebounds next year? We've seen this before. Or is this potentially a, a lot worse for them? Sarah, I thought you said decisive. This is murky as it gets. (laughs) This is so tricky. And I've spent way too much time looking at Aaron Rodgers' contract, which I don't uh, recommend, by the way, unless you want to get a headache because it's extremely confusing. But I'll try to give you the TLDR version of the contract, which is, yes, it is tradable. However, uh, if they trade him before June 1st, because the way these deals are structured, uh, they would take a pretty sizable, about a $40 million cap hit, they being the Packers, if it was post June first, they could break that up a little bit, provided that the acquiring team agrees to wait and also pick up his option. But you know, that's a big if. You gotta find a team that's willing to do that. And I also think you gotta make a decision about whether you actually want to trade Rogers because, you know, it, it's easy for us to say, well, obviously they drafted Jordan Love, they want to move on, but I don't think it's that easy for the franchise given the fact that, you know, Rogers has been hurt this year. I think that explains some of his struggles and that he might not want to be traded. Granted, it mm. doesn't matter. It doesn't have a no trade clause. But the point is, they have all of these decisions awaiting them. And I think what makes it so tricky is those decisions in the future really have to inform what they do now. Because if they do want to move on from Rodgers, I do think it would behoove them to get a look at Jordan Love and start developing him. But I don't know if Green Bay will make that move right away. Uh, similar situation for the Broncos with Russ, I believe, having 100 100- million dollar cap hit next year. I was listening to Greeny's show and he had this to say, which I want to see if you agree with his take on Russ. The new owners, they bought that team. And the first thing they did was give Russell Wilson this contract, which is worth a quarter of a billion dollars. So they're not going to acknowledge they got this thing wrong. They will fire Hackett at the end of the season. The next coach is going to come in and say he can fix Russell Wilson and not do it. And then he's going to get fired. So Russell Wilson is going to be that rare quarterback that can actually get two coaches fired before anybody blames him. Mina, are we sure that what we're seeing from Russ is ultimately his decline and it's over? Or is it possible to say that if if given a different coach in a different system that isn't the disaster we've seen from Nathaniel Hackett, he could still be a, a serviceable quarterback? Well, first I'll say I think people are blaming Russell Wilson, so I don't think he's escaping blame. He's getting a lot of heat these days. Um, But to to answer your question, look, I I don't think Russell Wilson is as bad as he's been. Uh, I do think he was on the decline a bit in Seattle, a big part of the reason why they want to move on, not give him the extension. Uh, But, you know, watching him this year, uh, at times there's been struggles. I think some of them have been due to injury. I think some of them have been due to that sort of decline and then some of it have been due to bad play calling and the situation not being optimized i do think Nathaniel hackett is going to be replaced i don't think it's a desirable job because it is a challenge but i do believe that the right coach can get better play out of him now i'm not saying it's going to be commensurate with the contract i don't think that's possible uh, but i don't think it should look as bad as it's looking right now it's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to our friend mina kimes on espn radio espn app sirius xm channel 80 the Rams are such a mess that they were a 15 and a half point dog and they didn't cover. That's embarrassing for a defending Super Bowl champion team. And it feels like they're kind of just shrugging and being like, oh, yeah, this one's over. Um, is this yeah. team done for in terms of this core being competitive? Did they Are they paying ultimately the price for the F them picks? Well, they're definitely done this season. And I think that they are probably aware of that as well. And, you know, probably won't see much from Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, I, I, the thing about the FM picks attitude is, and you know this, you have to not only hit on the picks and 
signings you do have, but you need pretty good health. And, of course, health has been an absolute disaster for the Rams this season, uh, most notably the offensive line just making it impossible to do anything. So I think they're probably going to bet on running it back with the core that they have and hoping that the offensive line is healthier. I do think with what limited resources they have, it would probably behoove them to invest in it even further than they have, uh, which they have invested a lot of money in it because this is really an example of a team that it has been tanked by a single unit, more a single position group rather, more than any other thing. Speaking of position groups, can the Ravens – contend and succeed with their past game as constructed and with the weapons they currently have? Well, that's the right question because, you know, with all these Ravens implosions, I think sometimes we were like, what happened, right? Because in in the beginning of the season, there was coverage bust. I think this game against the Jaguars where where they lost again in the fourth quarter, um, you know, there were some issues with defense, but I would largely put it on what you just said, which is the lack of a passing attack. And, I do think it's it's a real issue. Um, you know, when Mark Andrews doesn't have the best game, and that was the case, there really isn't that number one wide receiver when Rashad Bateman went down with an injury for the season to pick up the slack. And when Lamar's struggling, there isn't that, you know, big-bodied ax who can just kind of get him a bucket. And I do think that's going to be a problem for them, especially in games where defenses have some success taking away the run. In Spain and Fitz, we're talking to our friend Mina Kimes. If you can go back to Thursday, that Dallas-New York game, uh, the final score was closer than maybe some expected, but uh, Dallas thoroughly in control there. Do you think that this is the beginning of the end of the high times for the Giants and we're going to start to see them regress back to what was expected with this roster when the season began? Uh, I think that expectations are coming down a little bit towards the reality, but I still think they're – shall we say, a feisty team. And, you know, I, I I know that they have got two games against the Commanders coming up. I think those games are going to be pretty hard to pick. They're pretty evenly matched. Um, and they're games where the Giants, I think, have, have a really strong coaching staff, um, could find ways to win one or both of them. That would certainly keep them in playoff contention because of the hefty lead they built. But I think people now, you know, and I think Giants fans are fully aware of this as well, uh, see them for what they are, which is, you know, a fringe wildcard team at best. Mina, let's talk about the Bucks. At the beginning of the season, I think we've been dragging along this idea that eventually the expectations uh, will, will will show up for them. Yeah. They'll figure things out. And even just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Brady lead a game-winning drive and it, things started to look right. Strategy-wise, it feels like they're constantly shooting themselves in the foot with the decision-making around the personnel that they have. And that came to bear again in their loss to Cleveland. What are you seeing from Tampa Bay right now, especially when when it comes to the run game and play action and their yeah. use of Brady? Yeah, it, it's really frustrating because it's issues that have actually plagued the team even when they were successful at times, the Super Bowl season, um, which you felt like, uh, I would say the play calling wasn't optimized for Brady and for the, the skill players that they have. Too many early down runs, not enough play action when they did. It was it was it was really frustrating. By the way, in the Seahawks game, they ran a ton of play action, had a lot of success with it. They come back and they just don't run it that much. Mm-hmm. It was on, I think, seventy percent of dropbacks. Brady went seven for eight. He was excellent on it as usual. But again, it's just like. First down runs, screens, then suddenly you're in third and long, and it feels like over and over and over. Um, and, yeah, it, it, a couple of that with some issues you alluded to, the clock management from Todd Bowles, decision-making, punting on the opponent's 37-yard line. 
I do like question whether the team is being steered correctly. And that's not to absolve Brady altogether. He was off target at times. I don't think Mike Evans uh, is playing to his ability at the moment. But it feels like this is an issue from the top down. And it's getting to a point where we're so late in the season, you question whether it can be fixed. Awesome stuff, Nina. As always, we love having you on the show. Thanks, Friend, for stopping by. Thanks, Friend. Friend, friend, did I say friend. right? Friend, I tried. Friend, much better. Friend, all right, bye. I'm not sure there's a better friend than Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. You can hit her up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Mina Kimes. That's where you can also hit Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz up. That's the address, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. That's how you do it. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. In the meantime, it is already an epic matchup on Monday Night Football. We'll update you on all the action plus. More puke bowl updates coming up. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We had a friend on. We've had friends, but we haven't had a friend on. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Monday Night Football underway. Fitz, uh, remind us what you said about the game. Uh, it's going to be the most spectacular, incredible Monday Night Football history game in the history of all football. I believe you said records will be broken. Yes. Memories will be made. Yes. Yeah. Well, one already has been. It was a field goal. Okay. The Steelers are up 3 nothing on the Colts. Look, I'm I sorry, didn't say good Jeff records. Saturdays. I, I didn't say good memories. I didn't say good to any of that. You know? It's fair. Uh, three nothing at the end of the first Pittsburgh leading. Do you remember? Uh, does anyone remember on the show the new name of the stadium in which the Steelers play? I realize that this game is an indie, but does anyone remember what Heinz Field is now called? Uh, Acrisure. Yeah. Acro. Acro. Now I don't an, know if we're saying is it right. There an R in there? Acrisure. Acrisure. We made a rejoin about this. I don't know. <laughs> We have I'm the just region. trying to bring this to back. It? I mean, if you have it, I would like to bring this back to Devin insisting that there is a silent R in Acrisure. I just felt like you've done such a good job as producer of our show ever since you took over that we needed to remind everyone of your one major failing. I still apologize for that. That's, yeah, the uh, sincerity with which but, you assured me that it was Acrisure. Yeah, but see what you, did there. you know, there, there's no worries because tonight's game is at Lucas Oil Stadium, so Lucas it's fine. Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil. 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 I believe Oil? it's pronounced Oil. Oil. It's Oil. Yes. Lucas yes. Oil Stadium. That's right. That's right. Nailing That's Spain it. and Fitz. Uh, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, finishing strong on this show by uh, spending one of our final nights discussing puke bowls and poop knives. Now, listen, if you weren't uh, online the last couple nights, you might have missed the puke bowl conversation. But long story short, apparently many households across this country grew up using and still use something called a puke bowl. Now, several condescending parental types have assured me that there is no time to find a puke wastebasket. It must be a bowl. And that puke wastebaskets can't be put on a bed, but bowls can. The children literally sleep with a bowl under their chin just in case they are to be sick at any moment. All of these things sound exaggerated to me, and I believe that in every case and scenario that I've been offered... A small wastebasket with a plastic bag in it would serve the exact same goal as a sick bowl or a puke bowl, and then you wouldn't reuse that in the kitchen to make cookies or cake in. I'm I'm a little bit dumbfounded by the concept of you're putting it under a kid's chin, and then you're presuming that the kid never moves once they and fall asleep. Fall asleep, and then like as you wake up, that kid who's shocked because they woke up, they have to you know they have to throw up. 
is waking up and then like not moving their head in shock yeah. and are, are they like, like are they like a cartoon zombie that lies directly on their back and then like sits up straight only at the hinging at the waist? It still kind of feels like it's much easier to put a waste basket next to the bed yeah. that's tall just enough. Roll that on over. You just like roll you on over throw and throw your head over it. there and you, you go yeah. for it. None of the things that anybody said in the defense of the puke bowl made any sense. And I it have a very like, like it was one of those. We always did it, and so now I'm mad that you're making fun of it, and I'm going to defend it, even though I know it doesn't sound right. I have a very, very organized kitchen. Like I believe in uh, everything has a place, and it always okay. goes in the exact same place. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where my bowls are, but going in to run into the kitchen to open that cabinet. To then spin around that lazy susan. Right. To then get to the bowl, which which bowl you using, the, or the the yeah. little one or the big one, because they're all stacked well, inside the of each bowl, other. Of course. So it's going to be the sick bowl is going to be one. the biggest bowl. So now I got to get right. the largest bowl of them out. I've mm-hmm. got to put the rest of the bowls down. And maybe I don't close the lazy susan if I'm being all willy nilly. Then I got to run all the way back across the house to then put the the right. sick bowl back up there. It doesn't. This make is any what sense. I said. For one, if the sick bowl goes back to the kitchen. Why is it more convenient than a garbage can that could be anywhere? Why is it a bowl? Especially a bowl you're later going to cook in. Why is it a designated sick bowl that goes back in the kitchen? If you want to use a bowl because you believe in some way that the bowl is better, even though, as I mentioned before, the splash factor alone makes a bowl a completely inadequate object for this particular use. But let's say you do believe a bowl is a better choice. Why wouldn't you have a bowl that lives in the closet or the bathroom that you puke in and not a kitchen bowl that you also cook in? I don't care how much money you have. You can get another bowl for a dollar. Even if that you is can't, not a good reason. Even if you can't do that, like, again, as somebody that had nothing growing up, what's cheaper, a bowl a or just, a, like, right, a toilet's your free option. <laughs> your next option is a, a trash bag. You can go to Dollar General and get trash bags pretty cheap. Your yeah. third option is just yakking in the waste basket that yes. you already have in your house. And by the way, what costs less? Like, taking the like most people have, like, the ability to take a, a trash can outside and hose it out, right? Like, that seems like that's way easier uh, then, then cleaning the a sick bowl out, which is going to take to yeah, for I mean, a bowl you're going to cook in. Now you're doing loads I, of laundry. What like yeah. detergent, like laundry, laundry detergent, right? Or, like well, dishwasher, or sorry, yeah, dishwasher, dishwasher detergent, detergent. Like that stuff. Yeah, that stuff costs money. And a sponge yeah. and uh, something presumably to get any chunks that might harden and and stay on the bowl. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I, as it's for dumb. all the condescending comments that I got, uh, I think I think Mike Golick Jr was the most accurate when he said a lot of people are saying listen you know you don't understand because you don't have kids we were the kids we were the people puking in the places and listen we understand how much easier it is to puke into a small garbage can with a plastic bag on it versus a bowl if i had gotten one of my mom's kitchen bowls in to puke in oh my god like no that- the number of people in my comments who said things like, oh, yeah, our popcorn bowl is also our puke bowl. Mm. Or, yeah, we use it for the, you know, cabbage. It's like, what the? Anyway, here's the thing. We asked people if there were other Internet occasions upon which you discovered that your family did something weird and you didn't realize it or that other people's families did something that you were unaware of. The puke bowl is a great example. Here's another one. The real J.P. Stern says an ex used to think everyone had a sock drawer the entire family pulled socks from. Single socks all mixed together and everyone just chose a couple for the day. What? Dad socks, mom socks, whatever. 
Yeah, I, I'm not, again, not surprisingly, I match every single sock. Yeah. Before, like, no sock goes in unless it's rolled yeah. into another sock. It doesn't go in the drawer. I will tell you, my husband would argue that that's what I do, but I'm not doing it on purpose. I just can't really always tell which socks are mine and his when I do the laundry. Doesn't so sometimes really... I take his, I put them on, and then he instantly sees me walk down the stairs. He goes, those are my socks again. No, no uh. sock to anyone. I have 20 pair of the exact same yeah, socks, so it doesn't matter. Uh, finally, Shelly. I grew up always putting butter on any sandwich. I think it has something to do with the fact that they're immigrants, but I don't know. My dad would also make everyone's sandwiches for the week on Sunday night and freeze them. We would eat thawed sandwiches at school. Oh, my God. That's incredible. That's, that's a choice. I definitely, definitely didn't expect that. 